Hey, hi, hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Bell, the podcast where I share crazy personal stories and cover TMI lifestyle topics. Today's episode, I'll be getting into all the reasons why my first time in Bali, Indonesia, didn't meet my expectations. <laughs> okay, let's go. It's Breaking Bell. Leave a message. Okay, so let's talk Bali. I would have done this trip back in 2020 before the pandemic Lovato, but here we are. The first time that I went to Bali was in November of 2022. So that was only a couple of months ago. And I have been wanting to go to Bali ever since I was 16 years old. So it was a 10-year dream in the making. And if you had listened to the episode before this one, season two, episode one, why I quit my nine to five job, I kind of touched on the fact that this trip didn't really meet my expectations and it didn't fulfill my 16 year old self. So we're going to dive into that because I know Bali is becoming more of a tourist destination. So as you know, someone like myself who had all these, you know, plans and expectations of going there, I think it'd be really neat for, you know, some of you who are making a trip out there within like the next year or whatever. Um, I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts and tips to hopefully, you know, make sure that when you guys plan to go to Bali, it will meet your expectations. So back when I was 16, travel bloggers, like on YouTube primarily, that's where I was watching them. They had glamorized Southeast Asia, particularly Bali, because the community of digital nomads, um, and entrepreneurs was just skyrocketing. Like that was the place to be. And now that, you know, COVID's kind of like pretty much something that we don't really think too, too much about anymore. I know there's been cases on the rise back in China again, but for the most part, it's not in a place where it was as intense at the start of the pandemic. So now that tourism is kind of up again, there is definitely an influx of more people moving out there, traveling out to Bali again. And so back then when it was glamorized at the time, like I had all these like ideas and visions of like how I wanted my trip to be when I would eventually get to travel there. And it was very much so like the types of pictures that you would see on like a Pinterest board of Bali. If you just type in Bali in Pinterest, it's like you see all these beautifully curated photos that contrast and the colors and everything is just so bright. It's so inviting. There are so many amazing things to do out there that that was what I was fixated on in terms of, you know, my idea of what Bali is. So my expectations were all developing through these like visual stimuli that I was getting off of these um, travel bloggers and their content. And so I was like, wow, such a beautiful place. And not to say that it's not, it's just obviously we already know this 
people edit pictures and content and videos to look 10 times better than it actually is in real life. But there are also a lot of beautiful destinations where like you could only enjoy it with like your naked eye. But besides the point, like that's how I developed, you know, my expectations. And as like the years went by since 16 up until I actually executed the plan when I was 26, like I would just keep growing and developing like these expectations um, off of these glamorized pictures. So I wouldn't say that I had any crazy expectations for Bali. It's mostly me wanting to see sunsets, waterfalls, wildlife, enjoy the food, the local food, the culture, nightlife, hikes. And mostly for me, I wanted to get that like spiritual experience out of it. I really got into learning about like sound meditation and sound baths that I was just so intrigued by all of that. And I knew that Bali was the place where I could go to do those things. And so again, like don't have crazy expectations. I feel like most people go to Bali to enjoy those things as well. And so that, you know, I felt like it was like pretty like standard bare minimum of what, you know, I would be able to experience. And I thought that I would be able to accomplish and achieve all these things. But there were many reasons and factors that I'm going to get into that, you know, didn't really make me feel like this trip was everything that I have dreamed of and wanted. And that's fine because we are going back in two months. So I'm actually heading back to Bali um, in the middle of March of this year. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, fulfill all those things that I didn't get to see the first time. And I think one of the biggest main reason, which is 100% my fault that really put like a dent in the trip was because we chose to go during wet season and wet season in Bali typically falls between November and March. And so we were heading there at the start of their wet season. So it's like we already knew this, but we were also coming at it from a lens of like, usually it doesn't rain like consistently throughout the day like you'll have showers for a couple of hours and then it's like fine so we were just kind of going with that headspace and it just lined up with our timing I went with one of my old colleagues and I was in a place at work where I was like I'm saving my three weeks vacation to go to Bali and I'm gonna use it up so what better time than November and that's when I was looking at like flight prices and stuff like that granted I still spent like two grand on the flight ticket but we won't get into that. But anyway, so we had already picked the day and that's when we were going to go. And for the most part, like, yeah, it was raining pretty much every single day, especially when we were in Bali. But when we left to go to some of the other islands, the weather was beautiful. But since we spent the bulk of our time in Bali, in Changu, which I definitely regret. And I say that because there's so much more to see and do in Bali than in the city, in Changu. Like, again, if you're the type of person that likes that city environment, then like, great. But next time when I go, like, me and my friend, we're not spending any time in Changu. So just putting that out there, if you're someone who wants more of like the adventures and like the scenic stuff and seeing wildlife and waterfalls, like you're not going to get that in Changu. So anyways, 
Outside of that, um, I feel like I was also sick the entire time that I was out there. And again, it's my fault because I am such a type A person that I did so much in-depth research on things to avoid to, you know, not get sick because I'm like so... I... <laughs> I am a liability. If anyone knows me and like knows me well, like you know I'm a liability. I'm always getting sick or hurt or whatever. Like <laughs> it's not like I'm super delicate or fragile, but like in a way like I am because I feel like I get more sick than the average person or I'm more prone to getting sick than the average person. And so that first week that I was there, we were staying at a villa that was basically all outdoors besides our bedroom. And because it was so hot and humid, we had cranked up the AC in the room. And I don't know why it was set at 16 degrees because I don't even sleep in that temperature, like back home anyways. Like it's typically between 22 to like 24 degrees, like room temp, right? So that definitely accounted for like the first sickness that I got because going from such extreme temperatures of it being so cold and then walking out in the morning and it being so hot like I got sick like right away and obviously with all like the traveling and being exposed to like so many like germs and stuff while like on the plane because I was flying for I think 27 or 24 hours like basically like over a day I think it was I had an overnight flight and I can't sleep on flights so my immune system was just already shot dead like it was bad and then going into that like change in temperature it was just not good for me and so I got a cold like instantly my throat was absolutely killing me like thankfully like I brought like medications but I feel like I didn't bring enough and I don't really trust local medications because I don't know how my body's going to react to it right and so I was pretty much down with a cold, just like a sore throat and a cough for like the first couple of days. And then after we wrapped up in um, Changu, which we were there for like almost two weeks, we left to go to Ubud. And that's when my bolly belly kicked in. I don't think that's like the official term of like what, like it's not an actual, like that's not what it's actually called. Um, but essentially Bali Belly is kind of like E. coli, like you're um, consuming contaminated uh, water or food. And again, like before going on this trip, like I knew not to drink any of the water, which means not even brushing your teeth with the water. So we would have to order um, like one liter, like water bottles, like every now and then just to like replenish our stock. Um, but that also meant not eating like any um, raw or uncooked like fruits and vegetables, especially, you know, the ones without peels because they also get washed um, in the water. And so I was supposed to avoid consuming any water, um, salads and like fruits that don't have peels and like not eating anything like raw, like sushi. And you know what? I don't know what came over me, but I was just so brave that I did all of those things. Yes, I'm an idiot, I get it. Like it was just, I don't even know what came over me because I'm usually such a like anxious and nervous type of person to like know not to do the things that I know are gonna like make me feel like poop but I still did them. So with the whole water thing, um, there was this temple, the Tirta Empel 
temple. That's like the most, one of the most iconic and um, famous temples where you go through the, um, the bath, the holy water. And so part of the ritual is you're supposed to three times, like you put the water, um, I don't remember the order of it, but I think it's like you put your head under the water three times and then you put it over your head three times and then you're supposed to drink it three times or just like rinse it in your mouth or whatever. And so at one point, I just took a little sip of it and I felt fine. But like it was that coupled with like eating um, like salads, like this all kind of happened within like um, two, three days that I was just going off and like eating like crazy. So like, I can definitely see how that all just hit me by the time I got to Ubud. Um, but yeah, I had the salad. I had sushi too. Like I was being such a brave soul. And then, you know, you know what, like for a whole week while I was in Ubud, one of the places that I actually wanted to do a lot of like my exploration and have all these ex adventures and stuff, I was sick. I had like stomach problems the whole time. Y'all don't need to know the details, but I was just spending a lot of time in the washroom and my stomach was hurting so much. It was so hard to even like eat anything or stomach anything. Like I would have to be like eating rice and like cooked chicken and cooked veggies. And like, that was my diet for like quite a number of few days, which is interesting because like I would, people actually started to notice that they're like, oh, like why is she like not eating a lot of local food? To be fair, I did actually try a lot of like the local food, like the migurangs and the nazi gurangs, like it's basically those two things, um, like main dishes for the first couple of days. And then I just had to resort to like what I knew, like Western food or just like Chinese food, like rice and stuff. So that kind of sucked. And then by the time we were done in Ubud, we had left for the Gili Islands and then we were there for about five days or so. And the weather there was beautiful. Like, I don't think, like, I think it only rained realistically, like one of the days that I was there. And it was like, while we were on the boat cruise. Um, so it was fine, but it was still very cloudy. So I did not see any sunsets the entire time that I was there. And Abud didn't see any of the waterfalls, didn't see any wildlife, except when we went to Nusa Penida and we saw like a few monkeys and that was it. So didn't check that off. And when we were in Ubud, sorry, like I'm backtracking a little bit, but the Mount Batur volcano hike, that was something that I didn't think of wanting to do until some of our friends who arrived and met up with us, like they already booked it. So we're like, fuck it. Okay, like let's do it. And that was like literally when I was still going through my Bali belly situation. And so having to do that hike, which was like two hours up and then like an hour and a half or an hour down, while like feeling like crap, it was honestly a nightmare. Like I remember I couldn't even make it up. I had to like pay like a ridiculous amount of money to get someone to like motorbike me or scooter me up the um like a majority of the hike and I still had to like do 20 minutes of it, which I feel like that 20 minutes, like those final um bits of the hike, like you weren't like 
able to take the scooter up there. So I was struggling, but thank God there was a man who was selling water, a local. He was holding my hand the entire time to take me up and I was just holding onto my stomach with my other hand, just like wheezing and sweating and like literally dying. It was honestly an experience that I don't wanna go through again. So that is one of the biggest takeaways. Don't drink the water, don't eat salad, don't eat sushi unless you've got like a steel stomach. If you're someone like me who literally has like the most weak immune system and like has stomach problems, then avoid it at all costs. It's not worth it. But anyways, let's go back to the Gilly Islands. Beautiful weather, still feeling a little bit like meh in my tummy region, but I think once we got to the hostel out there, like my, like everything kind of just like got better. And it was really nice because for the first time, like I didn't feel sick. Most of the trip, um, even when we were in Changu and like it was mostly focused on nightlife, like for the time being when we were there with my friend, um, I didn't do much drinking, surprisingly. Like I would mostly just have like one or two drinks and then even like the first like couple of days on the island, like I was having tea. I was having a lot of ginger tea and then after like I started feeling a little bit better. So this was probably around like the end of the second day or so or the third day third night that's when I went off I was like drinking so much and they had this thing that I've never heard of before called Joss shots j-o-s-s and it's like typically I think it's vodka and you pour this like electrolyte powder in it and you take the shot with the powder in it it's supposed to um, a prevents you from hangovers and B like give you a spike of energy and so it was awesome because I remember like Wednesday night after we had our uh, boat party like it was, it was like a pirate ship like pirates of the Caribbean type ship I was like what is going on but like it was it was fun even though it was raining it was a good time but that was the night that I went ham that was the only time that I was ever like fully fully like drunk on this trip thank god I like never threw up the entire time that I was in Bali from like alcohol or Bali belly but because I hate throwing up like it's just it's I'm sure no one likes throwing up but like for me it's just I hate throwing up um but yeah so those shots I feel like they really helped me because I never got a hangover especially from like a night of mixing like all the alcohols like I was having vodka people were buying me tequila shots because they thought I was some like popular DJ that was like on the island like I just kind of like went along with it they're like oh hey like were you like spinning last night on like xyz and I'm like hell yeah that was me and they're like oh that was such a good set I'm like yeah thanks man like mm, support <laughs> uh but yeah, I just kind of went along with it. People were buying me shots. I was mixing my tequilas and my vodkas, beers and everything. And you know, when you mix the liquors, when you mix the darks and the lights, like it's just not a good time. You should just stick to one alcohol. And I'm like, Isabel, like girl, like you never learn, but I'm just trying to have a good time out there and like living it up. So 
I'm just like letting things go, letting shit be, living my best life, meeting so many amazing people. And I used to be so anti-hostile because I very much value my sleep and I'm an insomniac. And so it takes a lot for me to fall asleep. And so if people are being loud or like whatever, like I will be so like just groggy and like cranky the next day. But thankfully, like we had our own room. It was two, it was rooms of two or rooms of three. And I was with two other girls. So we just shared a room together and it was perfectly fine. Um, and like the environment of the hostel that we stayed at was just so welcoming. There was so much of a sense of community. And like, I think that time for me at the hostel was like the highlight of my trip because A, wasn't sick. B, the weather was great. C, um, so many friends from around the world who were just like so nice, so happy, just like full of good vibes. Like everyone that was there was there to have a good time and it was just all good vibes. So that was definitely the highlight um, that I actually enjoyed the most of the trip. And then when I had to leave the Gili Islands to go back to Changu for a couple of days, I met back up with some friends. I ended up staying like one day back on the Gili Islands and then I left and then I had like one or two days back in Changu. Um, I hated it when I was back because again, like it was all about nightlife and like fancy restaurants and like all that kind of stuff. Like it just wasn't what I wanted to do. So I kind of like left, not, I don't want to say I left the trip on a bad note, but it just, I wish I just spent the rest of my trip on the islands before going home. Because again, like in Changu, like it was raining again like the weather was shit but anyway so with all that being said that's pretty much like the highlight of the trip it was only three weeks um most of the weather was poop I was sick most of the time and I think it's important to add that my headspace also wasn't right with like work like obviously like I didn't really think about my job too much when I was out there but just being in a place where I knew that like this trip had like a timeline like I had to go home and I had to go back to my job like I wasn't looking forward to it and I think also being in the environment where I'm surrounded by like entrepreneurs and like digital nomads I was like that's the life for me like I want to be this creative person I want to travel the world and create content and I can't do that with this job like this job was holding me back it wasn't something that I was passionate about anymore and so when I got back home I was like I had kind of like an epiphany almost I was like you know what like this I I gotta leave I gotta like do what's best for me. So it was all these like things like I knew I had like mental blockages. And because I had those blockages, it was like my mental wasn't there. Like I was sick. So physically I wasn't there. The weather and the environment wasn't good because I'm very much affected by like all those things. When it's raining outside, I get like seasonal depression. When it's winter, seasonal depression. And then when I'm sick physically, I'm just like, ugh, I can't move. I can't do anything. And then the mental aspect of that is like the whole work piece. So literally every part of like my being at the time wasn't aligned. My chakras weren't in alignment. <laughs> like I just... Yeah, I, I feel like all of those things just affected me altogether. And now that I feel like most of those things will kind of not be something to worry about in like the next two months, like I will probably still experience the tail end of like the wet season. I feel like it's not going to be as bad though because again, it's November to March, but I'm going to be there 
um, between mid-March to the middle of May. So for two months, I will be traveling around to like Thailand, possibly Cambodia and Vietnam as well. So I, I'm not 100% sure if the wet season also applies to those regions. I would assume so since it's kind of like in the same um, like area. Um, but that like, I feel like the weather wise, like it'll be fine work. I quit my job at the beginning of the, well, technically the end of last year. So like, that's not going to be a problem. And then with the whole sickness thing, like, I just feel like I'm going to be like more like focused, um, or like more hyper aware of like what I'm putting in my body and what I'm exposing myself to. So I feel like this time I'm coming in more prepared and with like less things to distract me. So hopefully I'll be able to go back and experience the things that I didn't get to see the first time, which is my goal. Like again, sunsets, waterfalls, wildlife, food, spiritual experience. Those are the things that I didn't really get too much of the first time. And I feel like I'm not asking for a lot to like do those things, right? So again, it will be dependent on like weather and um, whether or not I get sick again, knock on wood. That, that doesn't happen again, but um, I'm very excited for it. And also, so for my girlies who are a little bit more of a high maintenance traveler, and this is kind of like a, not like a random tip, but like, I feel like this is kind of what most people would have done anyways is backpacking, especially when you're doing all of Southeast Asia, it makes no sense to carry two large pieces of luggage because homegirl did that. But the thing is, for the most part, like I was again in Changu, which is city life. So it was fine bringing my luggage around there. But as soon as I got to the island, like I was just lugging my shit through like the r crazy rough terrain of rocks and puddles and then having my luggage on like a boat and then taking off the boat and like walking on the beach with my luggage. I was just like, this is not it. Like that, as soon as I came back, I like bought a backpack. So we're gonna have to figure out how to pack smart for two months because knowing me, obviously like I wanna pack cute outfits, get some content out there, but we're gonna have to be a minimalist. And this is gonna be one of my biggest challenges, but I'm definitely going to be documenting it um, over on Instagram and TikTok. So we're gonna do a whole travel series, pack with me, travel essentials, you name it, ask for it and you shall receive. But even if you don't ask for it, I'm still gonna give it to you anyways. <laughs> so that honestly are like, those are the main reasons why Bali didn't meet my expectations. And I feel like having experienced it for the first time with those certain factors in place, a lot of which I could not change, i.e. environmental factors. Um, I feel like I'm going to go back into this trip this next time with a lot more awareness, more knowledge, and um, I'll be more prepared and hopefully I'll be able to check off a lot of those things that I wanted to do. And if not, then I'm going to have to go back a third time, <laughs> which wouldn't be so bad. Bali is a beautiful place. Um, things are relatively inexpensive. It's just the transportation of getting there is a little bit more pricey. So this time, I think my, yeah, my flight was only like $30 cheaper than the first time that I bought it, but I am going for a longer period of time. So it's nicer, um, but definitely we'll have to figure out um, 
the budgeting situation, which will probably also be something that I get into when I'm out there. Because I know a lot of people, like, even for myself, like, before going to Bali, I was just so curious, like, how much do people spend in a day? And I'll tell you right now, for the three weeks that I was there, I spent way too much money. Like, for someone who quit their job, like, I cannot be spending the same amount of money that I did the first time that I was there. Like, it's not a smart idea. And again, Southeast Asia, things are, like, inexpensive. Like, I was just going for a more, like, luxurious route there. Like, getting massages, like, every now and then. Like, it wasn't, like, the massages are expensive. They're about like 10 to $15 Canadian. But like when I was doing it so often, I'm like, girl, chill because this adds up. But I think for anyone listening that is going to plan a trip to Southeast Asia, honestly, I'll tell you right now where your money counts and where you want to spend it is on food and excursions. That's it. Like shopping, there's not much to buy out there unless you want to just buy some clothes to um, kind of, you know, replace some of the stuff that you bought or brought out there um otherwise like there's not really much for you to spend your money on if you're going out and like drinking a lot and partying like yeah like that can get expensive especially if you're doing that in Changu because like it is a little bit more like upscale in terms of like the um nightlife in the places that you go but just do your research and know like some of the spots um if you guys ever want any recommendations on where to go I did check out quite a few cool places so let me know but yeah that is my summary that is my long winded spiel on why my first time in Bali didn't meet my expectations but we're hoping for a better trip um in March and if you guys want to hear more content more stories about my time in Bali do let me know because I got some interesting experiences and uh interesting stories that I could share with y'all juicy stuff (laughs) if you're interested but Thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of season two of Breaking Bell. I will be posting new episodes every week, typically on a Wednesday morning. So don't forget to follow the podcast and my social media at bellnotbella over on Instagram for updates. I love you all and catch you at the next audio party.